Father, this morning we just come to you. We come to you, Lord, in that name about whom we sang, the name above all names. Everything that you have done for your children, everything your children have in you is in that name, Father. Our healing, our salvation, our deliverance, our power, our authority, our inheritance, everything is given in that name. And to come to you also, Lord, there is only one name, the name of Jesus. So this morning, Father, we lift the name of Jesus. We magnify the name of Jesus. Above every situation, every circumstances, everything anyone is going through, we lift Jesus. Because in that name there is power. In that name there is healing. In that name there is deliverance. And in that name there is victory. For he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not was or will be, but forever. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we just thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. And we read in your word, he has another name. His name is the word of God. Therefore, even this morning, we do what you have done. We magnify your word, Lord. We exalt your word. We lift it up above everything, Lord. We just thank you. We praise you, Lord. Pray, Father, the entrance of your word will bring light. It will bring healing. It will bring victory, Lord, in everyone. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God called us to be wise as serpents and yet to be harmless as Okay, remember today for us, it is 30th of November, yeah, sorry, October, so please remember, I mean, it's good to be wise, okay, we do not, uh, don't be foolish, uh, you will see all over the news, stupid, strange things happening, because you are going through the highest occult days of the calendar, which will culminate on November the 1st, Halloween, you see the Halloween shootings taking place, you hear about Hollywood actors dying in their bathtub. It doesn't happen. So many have died in their bathtub. This is not normal. Nobody dies in their bathtub. Okay, Nobody drowns in their bathtub. And the coroner says there was no substance in their body. So it is no accident. This is demonic. This is demonic where altars, suicide altars are triggered and they drown themselves. But we are living in those particular days told till November 1st and also after. But fast, pray, do not fear. Okay? Do not fear. But be wise. Be wise. Don't go to places you shouldn't go. Stay away from crowded places and all. Stay away from all those places of the world. Stay safe in safe places in your homes, in your churches where believers are together. Stay in those places. Stay away from all stupid worldly entertainment because it will bring destruction. Okay? So be safe, but don't be fearful. God's people are not fearful. They are, the righteous are bold as the lion. Okay, so we'll turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Yes, that sounds better. This is, see that Jesus did works at three levels. He did a work on earth. He did a work in the heavenly realms. Okay, and then he worked, did a work where 
the spirits of people who died were imprisoned. So he did at many levels, okay. Actually, he did work at four levels, hell, earth, second heaven, and third heaven. Four levels, everything that is there, he did a work there and finished it all off. <laughs> One perfect, okay. But this is what happened in the demonic realm or Satan's realm. This is what happened there. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. There was a requirement that was against us. Okay, there is this law. You cannot escape it. Okay. From the time we wake up, we realize we are not floating, we are lying because gravity is there. Okay, so we are constrained by laws, physical, spiritual, then social. The government, all kinds of laws are established over there. Okay, so you cannot escape it. So there are so many laws, but there are these laws that were against us. God's laws that were against us. You could take the whole law and put it in one line. If you sin, you will die. Which basically simple means what is sin? It's a transgression of the law. If you keep the law, you will live. If you break it, you will die. So, that was a terrible, terrible thing against us who were born in sin and shaped, formed in iniquity. So what did Jesus do? This is what he did. He wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. We are not going to the whole salvation work, but we understand, people who are listening, I believe, understand what it is. But what did he do in the demonic realm? Having disarmed principalities and powers. So there are principalities and powers in the demonic realm. What he did was, he didn't kill them. Okay, because nobody can be killed. Nobody can be killed. Because God breathes into everyone, so everybody lives forever. With God or without God, nobody can be killed. I think animals may cease to exist, but humans, demons, angels, they don't die. What he did to them was he disarmed them. Meaning, he made them powerless. Disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What is that it? It is a cross. Okay. So he has disarmed, disarmed, disarmed. So keep this in your mind, background. This is what actually happened in the second heavens or the, the spiritual realm. Now if you come to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. 30 and verse 19. Hmm? Yeah. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against to witness today against you. So it's not just earth that is called. Please remember. If earth is alone called, then our governments have all the power. It is not earth alone that is called. It's heavens also called. So heavens are a witness and heavens influence what happens here. So God is calling heaven and earth has witnesses today against us that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, he says, choose life, that both you and your descendants may look. We also know this. But something is important here. God is telling us something. God is plainly telling that all of us that have that choice between life and death, blessing and curses, and he says, 
think so, think about it. He says, I leave it to your hands. He says, I'm not the one who's choosing. Satan is not the one who's choosing. Because you're choosing. You're the one who's choosing. I leave it to you. And, but he says, this is my, not suggestion, this is my desire. This is what I want. I want you to choose life. That you may live, your descendants may life. So think about it for a minute. If God doesn't do it, <coughs> the, the devil can't do it. If, the, if God won't do it, then the devil won't do it, can't do it. Okay? When he leaves a choice to us, you choose. You choose life or death, blessing or curses. And I, I'm desiring that you choose life. If God won't do it, then definitely the devil can't do that. If God won't do that, and I do not have the capacity to choose, that means devil is God. Devil is not God. Okay, devil is not God. Please understand, okay, because sometimes if our theology is wonky, our life will become wonky, and we will start blaming either God or the devil, and instead of taking responsibility for our own lives and our own choices. So the devil cannot put death and curses on us unless we choose it out of our own free will. So Adam chose. Adam chose. So the question, a simple question is, if God is putting before us every day, okay, that day also, first it all began with one man and one woman, if you eat from this tree, you shall surely die, so it was told, okay, and we will realize man chose, and he ate, and he died, okay, but theoretically, that same idea is before us every day, okay, so the simple question is, who will choose death and curses? Who will choose death and curses? Who will choose death and curses? The answer is, the only one who is deceived. The only one who is deceived will actually choose death and curses. There have to be two ways you choose death and curses. One is you are deceived or you are ignorant. Ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance doesn't help you from going through these laws that has been established. Okay. So if you go to John 8 and verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar, and he is the father of it. So, devil is not the father of death. Devil is not the father of destruction. He is the father of lies. Because if the devil had the power to destroy, he would destroy all of us today, this moment. If he could kill us all today, the whole humanity, he will wipe it out in a one second. So he is not the father of destruction or the father of death. He is the father of lies. He's a, he's a murderer. Yes, he's a murderer. But how does he murder is the question. Okay? How is the murder? So this is where we need to understand where we are standing. So Proverbs 18 and verse 21, we know this. 
scripture very well. But remember, this is what scripture actually says and it is true. So God says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay. Now if you fast forward right to the end that's coming. Revelation 20 verse 1 to 3. Okay. Before the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, something will happen. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid off the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Okay, And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years are finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Okay. The Bible doesn't say he will cease he will cause famines and sicknesses no more, okay? Anger and hatred no more, wars and killings no more. He says no. The root cause is taken out. The root cause is deception. For a thousand years, there will be absolute peace on earth. It's because the deceiver is not there. So men are not being deceived. At the end of a thousand years, again he will gather everybody against Jesus because he deceives them. Okay, so there is no more deception. That is the key. There is a thousand years, there is no more deception. So please understand how this works, okay? Now, if you go to the definition of deception as I wrote it down, okay? What does it mean to deceive or to be deceived? One, to convince someone that what is true is not or what is not true is this is what deception is. Something that is true, you deceive them that it is not true. And something that is not true, you deceive them that it is true. This is deception. And how does he do that? He does it with lies. That is what a lie is. That is how, how you differentiate. Yes, children, look here. Okay, don't worry. Computers will come and go. They will come and we don't need computers. Okay, look here. You know what? What is a lie? A lie is something that is not true. What is true? <laughs> something that is not a lie. That is why he is called the father of lies. Okay. So, what does a lie do or what is the intention behind a lie? Okay. Behind a lie is to deceive. Okay. So, you need to understand this and make this statement. If the devil cannot deceive me, he cannot destroy me. If the devil cannot deceive me, he cannot destroy me. That's simple. That's the equation. It's a very mathematical equation. Okay, Pastor Vijay immediately got maths. Okay, if the devil cannot deceive me, he cannot deceive me. So if you come to the first place where this great liar is introduced in Genesis chapter 3 and words 1. Okay. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now please understand this. The devil cannot speak before God has spoken. Understand that. If the devil has to speak something, God has to speak something before. Before you can have a lie, you need to have truth. 
Understand that. You cannot have a lie first. Because the lie is about something. Okay? Lie is about something. That's why truth can stand on its own. Lie can't. So that is the problem. That's why we say don't lie. Because when you lie one, then you will need supporting lies and no? Supporting actresses and supporting and many, 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 many. many. But la- truth, you just need one, one sentence. That's it. This is what is true. And you don't need any supporting this thing. This is what is true. Okay? So please understand, that is how it works. So God had spoken first. Okay? What did God say? If you eat of this particular tree, which has the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. If you eat it, you shall surely die. Okay? Now that is the truth. That is the truth. Now the devil comes and will start attacking the truth. It will start attacking the truth. The question, the problem is, what happened is, the devil came and lied. Came and lied. And what is the purpose of a lie? To deceive. So if you turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. 2.14 Adam was not deceived, but woman being deceived fell into transgression. So the Bible says. So Adam was not deceived. So the simple question is, if you are not deceived, why did you eat? So there are so many takes on it. We are not sure. One day when we reach heaven, we shall ask him, why did you eat? If you were not deceived. But the question is, this is how sin entered. The purpose of a lie is to deceive. Okay, the purpose of a lie is to deceive. The devil told a lie in opposition to what God has said, the truth. The woman was deceived and fell into transgression. The man took that fruit and ate and all men fell. That is the beginning. Okay? So Eve's sin was, issue was, she was deceived and Adam's sin was, he was irresponsible. Because with authority comes responsibility. He was irresponsible. Okay? So we need to understand, we heard yesterday about what ignorance does. God says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. We saw that in Hosea 4.6 and Isaiah 5.15, 5.17, both places he says, okay. Now when it's talking about knowledge, yes, education system and also in, in so many ways you can be destroyed or you can have loss in this temporal life, but ultimately it's not talking about that. It is talking about the knowledge of God. The knowledge, that's truth. The knowledge of God is the truth. And my people perish because of the lack of knowledge of the truth. Who is God? How does he do things? What has he said? So ignorance is no excuse. So there are two ways people can be destroyed. Why? One, they do not know the truth. They do not know the truth and they can be destroyed. Or they have believed a lie. Contrary to the truth, they believed a lie. They have believed a lie. Lord of people will perish because they do not know what Jesus has done. Okay? A lot of people will perish because they refuse to believe what Jesus has done. Especially in Islam and Judaism. They refuse to believe what? Okay? Because they have believed a lie. They believed a lie. Okay? So ignorance and deception are both killers. Both killers. Okay? So if you come with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Okay? We'll always have to go back to chapter 6. And we go to verse 11. Put on the 
full armor of God that you may able to stand what? Against the wiles of the devil. Trickery. Deceit. Lies of the devil. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. 2 and verse 11. There are many places. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant. Okay, We are knowledgeable. We are not ignorant of his devices. So in second, uh, sorry, in Ephesians 6 from verse 11 onwards, we will be given whole, I mean this is the, this is the letter of what happens in the heavenlies, where heaven and earth meet. Okay, that's how it begins with Ephesians 1 to 2 to we are seated and Christ, all that is in Ephesians and sums up with how we handle this battle. This battle, which is physical and spiritual, but primarily spiritual. Okay. And the armor is given and described. And every piece of armor indicates an area of our life to understand and to withstand the deceit, the trickery, and the wiles of the enemy. And the Bible says there in verse 11, we are to put on. God won't put it on for us. We can put it on for our children when they were small and not accountable. But when they become accountable, we can only intercede. We can only intercede. We cannot put it on for them. Okay, that's why Job's, all of Job's sacrifices did not save his children from destruction. From destruction. Because they were old enough to have made those choices themselves. So, God is saying, we have to put on. We have to put on. So we, when why the whole thing written over there is protection and war against deception. Because what is the devil's weapon? He has been disarmed, meaning he has no weapons. So what does he have? He has only one thing. He still lies. He cannot change his nature because he is a father of lies. That is his nature. He lies. Okay, he lies. And if he lies, and if I believe his lie, I am deceived, and automatically death and destruction and all things start coming. Okay, I make a choice without knowingly, unknowingly. I make a choice. What did I choose? I chose a curse, and I chose death and destruction. That is how he does. So that's why I said he is not the. The father of destruction or death is a father of life. That is his natural. He birth lies. He birth lies. Okay, that's his natural habitat. So if you come to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Next verse 12. For we do not flesh wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. First deception. Your and my problem is not our spouse, our parents, our children, our boss, or anybody in the natural realm. Our problem are powers of darkness. That's the first deception. And majority of humanity falls for the first one. They see human beings as the problem. Okay, the first deception is that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, meaning stop fighting with man. 
He is not your problem. Your problem is the powers who have lied to men. Okay? Lied to men. Okay? okay? Remember how Jesus handled the storm. The problem was not the waves which was visible. The problem was the wind which was invisible. So he didn't deal with the waves. He dealt with the wind. And as soon as he had dealt with the wind, it became calm. It became calm. But if you are trying to deal with the waves, you will wear out. Draining the water, draining the water, draining the water. But more and more and water is coming in. Because as long as the wind doesn't cease and the wind becomes stronger, more ultimately your boat will capsize and your life will sink. That's how life sink. Because you are not dealing with the wind. Okay, so he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we actually wrestle against these principalities, powers, rulers, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness where? In the heavenly realms. So the this is the first deception. The first deception is that we don't fight flesh and blood. We need to fight somebody else. Okay, we need to fight somebody else. So what? The, how does he deceive? Either he deceives by convincing us that he doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Okay? That is why we say don't get so caught in the physical. Like today morning, when we woke up, we, because we are kind of spiritual, we were aware God exists, but we were not aware devil exists. So we were aware that God exists, so we thanked him, we praised him, we worshipped him, we listened to his word. But we were negligent of the fact that he exists, so we didn't put on the armor. Okay, we didn't put on the armor. Because how do you know, how do you actually practically know that he is real? Is by putting on the armor. Okay. Putting on the armor. If you see the pictures coming out of from Israel and you see the Israeli soldiers going on, you see the armor they are putting on. Why? Because they know they are in battle. They know there is an enemy. They know there are snipers. They know. That's why they are putting on. Okay? Now we are not walking with battle armor because we know nobody is shooting at us. Nobody is shooting at us. Okay? So that's the difference. So do we, do we, just one of the, Simple ways in which he deceives us that he makes us unconscious about the fact that he is real. He exists. Okay? That everything that is happening to us is natural. Natural. Okay? Like, honestly, let us say, you get a headache. Immediately you take paracetamol, crossin, tylenol. Immediately, first reaction is always natural. Nobody even thinks about binding, praying or rebuking. Rebuking. Okay. I was listening to David Wilkerson last night, and David Wilkerson was talking about his sister, I think. I think he was talking about his sister. His sister, he said, she lived such a healthy life, and she never fell ill in her life. And five days before she died, she was diagnosed with cancer at the terminal stage. She did not know. And she died five days later. <laughs> Did not know. Okay. She was not even aware deep inside that she was being eaten away by cancer because she had never fallen ill in her life. Okay. 
So, in every way we will react. That's why our reactions matter. Because our reactions will show whether we are aware of the devices of the devil. Jesus was very aware. So you could wake him up from sleep. And they said, Lord, don't you care? We are sinking. And he's waking up from his sleep. And he addresses the spiritual immediately. He's so aware of it. And we are not. We are not. He's so conscious about it. Okay. Paul and Silas is on a mission trip to Philippi, a strange city. And they do not know anybody over there. And it's a young girl going around and prophesying. And every word she says is true. But they are so aware that the prophecy is from another realm and that's not of God. They are not flattered. Okay. They are not flattered. They immediately address that the source of it is wrong. And he addresses that source and immediately there is trouble. Trouble. And so whatever happens afterwards, he's not very much bothered. I'm physical he pains of pain and all, but they're not very much bothered because they know these people who have done it to us were deceived. The person behind that is the devil. So by reacting to these people, we are not to give him any bhav. We are not going to give him, exalt him or give him any pleasure or joy or anything. Instead, what we will do is react according to what the truth says and glorify God. Okay, understand that's how. So either he will deceive us, but he doesn't exist, that everything is natural, or in pagan Gentile religions, what will he do? He will become their God. He'll become their God. Okay, and that's what he offered Jesus. If you worship me, I'll give you. I'll give you everything. Whatever you need for this life, I will, and then I will take you also with me. So he will become their God. Okay. This is how he deceives. Okay? That's the first deception. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers of darkness. Second deception. Okay? Second Peter chapter 5, 8 to 10. Let us read 8 to 10. Sorry, first Peter chapter five, eight to ten. Now it's talking about him, the devil. Five, eight to ten. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle it. So the Bible says, you know what? He's a roaring lion. He's looking for whom to devour, be sober, be alert. And he says, resist him. Steadfast in faith. The Bible says, if we submit to God and resist him, the devil will flee from us. Okay? So the second deception the devil has put across is that you can't beat him. You can't beat him. Second deception. First deception is that he doesn't exist. Second deception is you can't beat him. But God said you can beat him every time because he's been disarmed. You can beat him. You can beat him. So what does he do? He causes fear. That's why the Bible says, no, he's seeking, he causes fear. 
which causes paralysis, flight or servitude. One of these three. We are either paralyzed, we fly or run or we serve him. Okay. So please remember the first deception is that he will take our eyes off him and put eyes on the flesh and we end up fighting flesh and blood and he stands back and he laughs that he does not exist. The second thing is that he deceives us by telling us, you can't beat him. You can't beat him. Okay, you can't beat him. Then we go back to Ephesians 6 and verse 14. Okay, stand therefore, the Bible says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Okay, so God is now beginning, put on. How do you put on? What do you need to do first? Gird your waist with truth. Now we know the story, history of the armor of the Roman soldiers. It is all held together by the belt on our colors. Okay, it's good illustration, but let's look at the fact here, what is mentioned first. It primary safeguard against deception is simply knowing the truth. Because deception comes through a lie. Okay, a lie. So the safeguard against a lie is being guarded. Guarded. Okay, guarded means, you know what, like today I haven't worn my belt, so every five minutes I have to pull my trouser up. <laughs> okay, so you know, guard means tight. Tight. That's why our uh, belts have many loops. Tighter and tighter and tighter. The tighter it is, okay, we feel more comfortable, right? Gird your waist with truth. Gird your way, this thing with truth. Okay, what does that mean to gird your waist with truth? Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He says, you stay in my truth. Abide. You gird yourself in the truth. You abide yourself in the truth. And what you will realize is that experientially you will realize the truth actually sets you free. Okay. Gird yourself. Abide in my truth. Stay in my truth. Hang in there. Stay in my truth. And suddenly you will realize, you know what? The truth will set you free. Okay, set you free because, I mean, we see these things all around us like, you know, we see our little babies, you know, we see our little Gianna and Elia and uh, Arya, all these little babies around, no? If you look at these little babies when they were born and then you look at this small bottle of milk and you will not connect that one month later, it is this thing that made this, this big round little thing. How did they become like this? Okay. But on the other hand, imagine from the day you have been feeding the baby, the baby is having diarrhea or dysentery. It will actually become weaker and weaker. The truth is like that. And God says, abide in my truth. Because if you abide in my truth, the truth will first set you free from deception and therefore free from destruction. Because to be free from destruction, you need to be free from deception. Okay? Because without deception, he cannot destroy. Okay? But on the other hand, the other side is that if you abide in the truth, what it brings is blessings and life. 
Okay, God, Jesus has come to give us. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, but I have to come, have come to bring life. But the question is, how do I receive the life? He says, by receiving and abiding in the truth. Okay, so first thing he says is, no, guard yourself. So what is the deception here? The deception here is that the devil will come and say the word of God is not true. The third deception, the word of God is not true. That's where he attacks. The word of God is not true. And it comes in so many subtle ways. Outside in the world is one. Within the body of Christ it is one. But very subtle way. There's a constant hammering against the word of God. It is not true. And every time you take a chip off, a chip off, you know what actually happening is you're opening your door to everything to fall apart. Because the belt is getting looser and looser and looser and you're not able to stand. Because you have to stand against the wiles of the devil. And you cannot stand against the wiles of the devil because what is being attacked is the authenticity, the truth of what God has said. That is why he comes. He doesn't come and directly say. He comes and says, did God really say? Did God really say? So the whole attack is that what God said is not true. And that has been happening for the past 6,000 years. The word of God is not true. Okay. And that's why God has given us above all in John chapter 17 and verse 17. He says, you know what, Lord, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay. We are set apart. How do, how, how do we become set apart? We set apart by the truth, by the word of God. We are set apart for him. Okay, and not only that, God has personally in John chapter 14, verses 16 to 18, and then 16, 13. Okay, I pray the Father, He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. As you abide in the truth forever, I have given you a helper who will abide with you forever. Why? Who is He? He is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because the world is under deception. The whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. How? Through deception. The devil is not controlling like with power. He's controlling the whole world through human beings whose minds have been deceived. That's how he controls the whole world. On the other hand, and because of that, the world cannot receive. But you can receive. He says, we can receive. Who is he? The Spirit of God. Because the world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He says, you will never be an orphan again. You will never be an orphan again. Okay, you know what? There are many connotations to that. Do you know who is an orphan? An orphan is everybody. Even do you have a very good father and a mother, if you believed a lie, you are an orphan. Because what he makes your true child is truth. You are orphaned from God. You are cut away from God. The lie cuts you away from the father of our Eternal Father. A lie cuts you away. It actually makes orphans. That's what the devil is up to. Through lies, what did he do? He orphaned Adam and Eve and the whole human race when they believed a lie. And what is bringing us back to God as through sons and daughters, as many as who received him, who is that? Jesus, the truth. The truth of what Jesus did. We are restored back to as sons and daughters. Then you come to John 16 and verse 13. When he comes, what does he do? He says, when the spirit of truth has come, what will he do? However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into 
all truth. You have the written truth, you have the written truth, and you have the spirit of truth. Okay, you have the written truth and the spirit of truth. Why it's so important? Because you will not come under the sway of the wicked one. You will not come under the rule of the enemy. You will come under the rule of God because you need truth. How does the devil rule over us? Through lies. How does God rule over us? Through truth. So he has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. And like I said, ultimately, he has given us the paradigm. That is Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Jesus says, I am the truth. So we have this. So the Bible first and foremost tells us, you know, don't be deceived. Okay. First, he will, be, he will deceive us by causing us to think our problem is flesh and blood. Second, he will deceive us by pretending that he does not exist or that he is all-powerful. You end up serving him. Okay. Three, he will deceive us by making us believe the word of God is not true. The word of God is not true. Okay, and that's the constant attack on the word of God. If you go to Second Timothy chapter three, sixteen and seventeen. Sixteen and seventeen. All scripture, not some. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine. We need doctrine to live, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all of scripture, all of scripture, okay? But even we do not accept scripture, okay? We do not accept the word of God. When we do not accept the word of God, okay? Else, when we do not accept the word of God, okay, there are children also sitting here, okay, thou shall listen, okay. When we do not accept the word, let's, let's ask, ask the truth. Do you know what happens? The war in the Middle East happens. It is either ignorance or refusal to accept the truth. Let's look at, how, apply it practically in our day. Genesis 17, 8. Genesis 17:19 Genesis 17:8 Also I give who is it speaking to Abraham I give it to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession it doesn't matter if you were not there for 10 days or 1500 years it is your everlasting possession this is the truth now if you come to verse 19 no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, not Hagar. Okay? Clarity is coming. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. When you come to Genesis 48, 3 and 4, now you come to the third person because Isaac also has two sons. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make of you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. See, the day you accept this as truth, war will cease. So the, what has the devil done? He has lied to a huge multitude of people. He has deceived them that this is theirs. And God says, it's not yours. Your is mine. I choose to give it to whoever I want. And this parcel of land or not, I have given to Israel. It belongs to them. Okay. If you come to First Chronicles chapter 16, 16 and 17, the Holy Spirit through David will bring it all together. 
the covenant he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute and then the name comes to Israel for an everlasting, everlasting covenant. So it is Jacob, it's not Israel. No, Jacob is Israel. Mm-hmm. Jacob is Israel. As an everlasting covenant. Okay, And the most powerful is in First Chronicles 17 and verse 21, where David will say, 17, 21. Who is like your people, Israel? No answer. Except the church. Who is like your people, Israel? The one nation on earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people. To make for yourself a name by great and awesome deeds, by driving out nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. Question, who is like your people, Israel? The answer, no one. No one. So even when they are unfaithful, he's still faithful. Israel is not not faithful. They are unfaithful. They are unfaithful. But God is still faithful because God has made an everlasting covenant with them. So if you look at this Middle East crisis, if you want peace, you have to receive the truth. And people will not receive the truth. You know when they will receive the truth? When Jesus comes a second time. And all of Israel and Jerusalem will not be Gentile believers. It will be Jews. It will be given to them. We won't be there in Jerusalem. They will be in Jerusalem. We won't be in Samaria and Judea. They will be in Samaria and Judea. It will be given to them. It is an everlasting covenant. So don't think that when I come back with Jesus in the clouds, I will be living in Jerusalem. You will go to Jerusalem, but you will not live there. It is theirs as an everlasting covenant. Okay, it's an everlasting covenant. Okay, Jesus may be, Jesus will be king of king and lord of lords, but their king may be David. King may be David. David will be resurrected and maybe ruling over them for a thousand years. Okay, so this is something if, if you don't understand, therefore every political leader of every nation, you have to be very, very careful, very, very careful. You go against Israel. You can try to bring peace and try to help the Palestinian people and all that. But you try to go against Israel and try to divide that land. God has said that. You will run into trouble with God. You will run into God with trouble with God. Okay, So we have to be very careful about it. We are not against the Palestinian people for whom God died. Jesus died for them too. But we cannot be a neutral party in this because the thing is that God has given it to somebody as an everlasting possession. Okay, If you go to Kerala, if you go to my hometown, there is a house and there is a land. I haven't visited that place for seven years or more. I haven't lived there in all 30 years. But nobody is going to get in and stay in that house. It's mine. I've got the paperwork for it. And as long as there is a righteous government, nobody is going to break into it. Okay, nobody is going to break it. The only one who can break it is the government by changing the lands and saying we are taking all houses that nobody is staying. Otherwise, you cannot get into it. But in this case, God has given it to them as an everlasting covenant. So this is where, that is how the Bible, okay, see. So Gentile nations, it is through ignorance. And the Muslim nations, because they have believed a lie. They have believed a lie. Okay, and therefore you will see into our personal day-to-day life decisions to international issues. Truth and lie will make a difference. And people are dying in their tens and hundreds and literally thousands because they have believed a lie. They believed a lie. So that is how it works. Okay? So the third deception is you don't believe the word of God is actually true. Actually true. 
third one Ephesians 6 14 having put on the breastplate of righteousness okay this is the righteousness we heard yesterday I said you cannot earn it you receive it as a gift it is a gift you can work on it after that but you cannot earn it you cannot you cannot earn it you have to receive the gift of righteousness. This is the righteousness of God. That is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is basically, it is the power of God of salvation. It is a gift of righteousness. Romans 3 21 to 24 Okay? Yeah, quickly. 3 21 to 24 Now the righteousness of God this is the righteousness of God. Apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe. For there is no difference. No difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified, this is the key word, freely. Freely by his grace. Because if it is not free, it is not a gift. It's a purchase. You don't go to the Kirana shop and say, so would you give me freely? He'll say, no, you have to pay for it. Okay. Okay. But God gives us the gift of righteousness. It's free. So God says, you know what? Every day, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay. That I will never walk under condemnation. This is the deception of the devil. When I sin, I'm convicted. I will repent, I will confess, and I will believe he is faithful and just, and the blood of Jesus cleanses of me of all unrighteousness. Meaning, my righteousness was never touched. On top of that, unrighteousness came. My basic righteousness keeps. Remember what Jesus told Peter? You don't need a bath. You only need to wash your legs. Okay? So, you showered and everything, and then you went out to do five minutes away, and you came back. You don't shower again. You just wash your feet. Just wash your feet. So, he says, you never question your gift of righteousness, because you never worked for it. It was given. It is the righteousness of God. Lord, people walk under condemnation, and this is the deception of the devil. Because if you wake up in condemnation, your day is gone. You're gone. You're finished. That day is useless. Spiritually, it will be marked blank. So God says, the fourth deception of the enemy, because what happens is, this is how the law works. The law is always turning to earn, to earn, to earn, to earn, to earn righteousness, on righteousness, on righteousness. So always conscious about that. I did this, I should have done it. But God says, that's not how you work. I gave you the gift of righteousness. And if you fall, I will tell you. I will tell you. I will convict you. And I will tell you, just repent. And clean yourself up. The blood of you, okay? The word will clean you. The blood will clean you. And walk back in righteousness. Wash that dirt away. And that is the condemnation of the devil. So when I am convicted, I repent. And I confess. And I am reverted that my, I was, but I was always standing in righteousness. I will not walk in condemnation. Because this is how the devil deceives. Because a condemned man is already lost. In, under the law, we know what is a condemned man. He's only waiting to be hanged. <laughs> okay. So we will not walk under condemnation. This is how, that's why the Bible says, put on the truth, never fuss. But you cannot go put on the breastplate of righteousness unless you put on the belt of truth. Because the fact that you are righteous is told by truth. 
So first you have to elevate truth above everything else. Then only the rest of the things will follow. What did God say? What did God say? Okay, God said it is a gift. It is a gift. Only a very nasty father would take away his child's gift away. Okay? Bullies do that. When the child goes with his toys to play, the fellow who doesn't like him comes and breaks it and runs away. The devil is a bully. God never takes the gifts away. That's why the Bible says the gifts and the calling and the gifts are irrevocable. He doesn't take it away. You may believe it, you may not use it, but he doesn't take it away. Okay, so that's what. So when you come to Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17, 54 verse 17, okay, very powerful words which we always say. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. What is a weapon that the devil brings every day lies? Different factors. Okay, every tongue, that's where tongue comes, the weapon is the tongue. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, what shall you do? You shall condemn. If you look at the you, why is capital? Why can you condemn? Because of the righteousness of Christ in you. It is he who condemns every tongue that rises against you. Because every condemnation against you and me is questioning our righteousness. You are a liar. No, I lied. I am not a liar. I lied. Earlier, before I knew Christ, I was a liar. I am not a liar. I lied. And I'm sorry, but I'm not a liar. I am not a liar. Because when you call me a liar, you're questioning Christ in me. You shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of God. Why? Because their righteousness is from me. From me. But the man under the law, when he is called a liar, either he will go under condemnation or he will be very angry. We don't have to do we either. Because we are not standing under the righteousness of our works. We are standing under the righteousness which we received by from God as a gift. Okay. So understand how this works. But this is how the devil deceives us. So this verse is actually a new covenant verse. Okay. You shall condemn. This is the heritage, the righteousness of God which we received as a gift. Now we move to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15. The fifth one. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So what is the deception? Because what is it talking about? It's talking about your feet and your shoes. Now let me ask you this question. When do you put on your shoes? When you are going out. Basically you are going to work. Right? That's when you put on shoes. The deception is people are too busy. The devil deceives you by saying you don't have time for God. You don't have time to witness. You don't have time to propagate the gospel. You you don't have time. You don't have time. You don't have time. These are things which you have to work in your mind very early in life from scripture. You see, when I picked, when my kids were small, things were all good, honky-dory. When I picked the school for my children, the first condition I picked the school, and there was only one school in the city, it's a school where there was no homework. The principle was that when you go to work, when I went to work in the world, I worked from morning till evening. Then I came back home and the work I did in the home was actual homework, the work of the home. So I decided when my children go to school, they come back, they don't bring school home. They will do the work that is for the home. They will not do the school work at home. That's how God has ordained life. Day for work, 12 hours for work, 
12 hours fasting. He has divided the day and the night he divided. And I said, I will work on that principle. I will work on that principle. So I picked a school and there was only one school which said, no homework. No homework. And I was very happy. And the children also very happy. So one thing we realized that we had plenty of time. Plenty of time as a family. Plenty of time as a family. And everybody did their work at home. But that was homework. That was not schoolwork. That was not schoolwork. So the thing is that we had time. So every meeting the children came. Every meeting the children came. Even when I was in Assam, Noala came with me in every meeting. She translated for me in Nepal in Assam. She never missed a meeting. And every meeting, Andrew, when you were small, there, he started with a joke. Said, you come. Because this is, this is homework. This is the work of the home. We have time. We got all the time in the world. Our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. But the problem is, people do not have time for God. It's a deception. Why is that people don't have time for God? Because you have been deceived. Because your feet is not shod with the gospel. Your feet has been deceived. Your feet has been deceived. Feet is the one which will going to make you move. Okay, That has been deceived. And therefore, if you look at it, 90% or more of Christians, Christians, I think she's not well, baby, it's okay. Christians, uh, Christians do not have time for God. And they're so busy in the world. Busy in the world. Okay, busy in the world. So busy. And I'll also tell you, it's not a matter of pride, matter of fact. The kids did extremely well academically. Extremely well academically. They just breeze through. Okay. So it is, otherwise then God is dishonored. If they don't breeze through because you kept a principle in the word of God, then God is a liar. Bible says no, let God be true and every man be a liar. Okay? But you have to have strong convictions. Very strong convictions and faith and not be afraid to make a decision because Lord, this is what is true. And my feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay? Otherwise what will happen is that we have believed another lie of the enemy that there is no time for God. Because Jesus said, one of the primary reasons the Spirit of God is given, one is to lead us into truth that sets us free, and second, that we become a witness of the truth of Jesus Christ. And therefore, what are we? We are ambassadors of peace. Okay? We are ambassadors of peace. And peace comes through reconciliation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 19 and 20. 19 and 20. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us what? The word of reconciliation. But how can you have the word of reconciliation if you have no time? It is a word, right? It is a word of reconciliation. Okay. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So everyone is a witness. What is he witnessing? I have peace with God. I have been reconciled with God. Would you also please make peace with my God? You will also have peace. That's what we are a witness. But if we are so busy, 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 busy like the world, we are telling them, I also have no peace. You also have no peace. You have no time. I have no time. No time. That's what I said. If you look into our homes, and the homes, a Hindu home, a righteous Christian home, a righteous Hindu home, and a righteous Buddhist home, or a Muslim home, there's no difference. We are not ambassadors. We are, not. We are laborers. Not even in his vineyard, we are just laborers. We are not ambassadors. Okay. So we have to be very, very careful. This is how the enemy deceives us so that, I mean, if you look at it mathematically, honestly, mathematically, somebody did a calculation. If one person brings another man to the Lord in one year, the next year two people bring four, and the next year four brings eight, around in 33 years the whole world will be saved. But it's taken 2023 years and half the world is still not saved. Actually, Pastor Mivijay is mathematics, so he will know how it goes. What do you call that? Yeah, law of exponential growth. Okay, that's how it works. One, two, four, eight, sixteen. You go, go, it just multiplies. So around in 33 years or 40 years, less than 50 years, the whole world will be saved. But why is the whole world will be saved, not saved? Because we believed a lie. How could 11 people go and turn the whole world upside down? How did they manage it? But in 300 years, the Roman Empire has collapsed and the Roman Emperor is Christian. How did it happen? Because they believed. They believed. They did not believe the deception of the enemy. They believed it is possible. That we are ambassadors. Through us, God is trying to reconcile. So they were very, very zealous about these things. They did not allow this deception. Okay, So the feet is shod with peace. In Romans 5, 1 says, because we have been justified by faith, we have peace. We have peace with God, our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing God does it as he, I have peace with God. One thing is that, you know what? I don't have to face the throne room of God's Judgment or condemnation. I don't have to face. That is the fear. Fear of every... I don't have to face. When I stand before that, okay, he may um, take so many rewards and all that, but he will never say, I don't know, you go to hell. He won't say that. He will not. It's the most terrible thing in eternity is, I do not know you go to hell. (laughs) Go to the lake of fire. That is not there. Why? Because I believed. I am justified. Received the free gift of righteousness. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you come to Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7. Okay. As we learn the truth, God says, this is the truth, and you have to practice it. What is that? Be anxious for some things. No, nothing. Be anxious. You have to fight it. You have to speak it. If you're feeling anxious, you have to open your mouth and say, I refuse to be anxious. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Because if you don't say that, you will open your mouth and use words that shows your anxiety. One way or other it will come out. At least through your expression it will come out. That's why the Bible says when all these terrible things have, you look up. Because your direct, how your face matters. You look down, that means you're discouraged. You look up, it means you are not anxious. You're not worried. 
because you can converse, talk in different ways, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, not some things or even the things which I am in control. No, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This is what we are called to do. First, be anxious for nothing. Second, in everything, everything. Okay, that's why the Bible says, even if you are rich and you are making plans, just say, if the Lord wills, tomorrow. If the Lord wills, by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your request made known to God. What will God do? He will make the, now this is not the peace with God. This is the peace of God. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. All under Him. Meaning, He will give you peace which is impossible with human understanding. That is that is why Acts chapter six, sixteen is so powerful. How could these two people sing? How could these people? Because they are at peace. How can you have peace? One in a foreign city. Okay, you don't know anybody in this city, and you have been beaten up, and you have been stripped. You have been locked up in prison in the midnight hour. How can? Because first you need to have peace before joy can come. Right? Righteousness, peace and joy. Not righteousness, joy and peace. No, righteousness, peace and joy. So if you don't have peace, you will not sing. Okay, you will not sing. So they are praying, so they are doing. Paul and Silas is anxious for nothing. They are with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, making their request unto God and they are singing. And the power of God comes into that situation. But what is happening inside, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Remember Daniel when the king came in the morning, he says, king, don't worry, have peace. Because there is peace inside. Do you know when the jailer came and wanted to kill himself, what did Paul say? Don't kill, we are all here. It's only a man of peace who can say that. It's a man of peace. Because the peace of God is guarding his heart and mind. Don't have to worry. Okay. Now, this is the deception of the devil. He takes our peace away. He makes us too busy. Okay. And he starts, these are deceptions. Okay. How does the, well, like I told you, the devil has been disarmed. So what is the only thing he has left? He still uses the same things. What does he use? He uses lies. Okay. If you go to Habakkuk, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. I've been preaching on this for the last 30 years. 17 to 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on... We see Habakkuk begins on a very, very terrible, depressive, you know, what is happening, 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 okay, and but how it ends. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, okay, both nature, that is green, plants and animals, everything has failed. Yet what will I do? I will rejoice in the Lord. What will I do? I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my, and what will he do? He will make my feet, my feet. My feet like the deer's feet. Now, what is, you know what he's talking about? You have to understand what he's saying. And he will make me walk on high. You know what a deer is? It's very sure-footed. Sure. It's not talking about speed. It's very sure. In the midst of nothing is happening, you know how exactly to walk because he's in charge of your feet. He has shod your feet with peace. And he will me walk on my high hills. You're not going down. 
Because all the situation there, you should be going down. Depression, discouragement, suicide. Okay? But that's not where he's going. He's going up. Because of what? He refuses to receive the deception of the devil. Okay? This is how the death is. So Bible says, let your feet be shod. We have to do it. God is not going to do it. He says, you put on. He says, this is what you need to do. But how do we put on first and foremost? Okay? This is how we speak. Okay? Now come to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. We looked at 6.15. Now go to 6.16. Oh, uh, 6.15, not 5.16. 16. Okay? Above all, above all, the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Okay? So what is the deception? The devil will tell you it doesn't matter what you believe. Doesn't matter what you believe. Because if you believe in your heart, faith is from the heart. What you believe, you that's you believe your belief, that's your truth, this is his truth, we all live by our own truth. It doesn't matter what you believe. That's a deception. And God says, you know what? It does matter what you believe. It does matter what you believe because what is happening is every moment the devil is shooting fiery darts of the wicked man. Lies and lies and lies and lies and lies and lies. And what matters is what do you believe? What do you believe? When the push comes to a shove, what you believe will matter. That is why we always look at the difference of reaction between Job and Mrs. Job. Job worshipped. His wife said, curse God and die. But both are parents. What they have lost is common. Unlike others, Job and Mrs. Job, their loss is absolutely the same. There's no difference. They have lost the same things. What was the difference? The difference was what they believed. She believed we can only receive good from God. He believed we will receive both good and bad from God. He still has to be worshipped. That was the difference between them. She believed in only one part of the gospel. Okay, women received their dead back to life. Others refused because they believed in a better resurrection. Okay, so this is what happens. What do you believe? Because the devil will tell you, it does not matter what you believe. Okay, lie after lie and half truths. Okay, he this thing. because you know God. The devil knows uh, scripture very well. Why does he know? Why does he? Why does he? Why is the devil such a good student of the Bible? No, if you look at counterfeiters, those who counterfeit money, they are excellent students of the currency note. Of the original. They will work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it to produce a counterfeit. So devil is excellent student of the Bible because he has to forge lies. Forge lies. You cannot forge a lie unless you know the truth very well. Truth well. That's why criminal lawyers are so good because they will know one thing is wrong and they will wait, they will wait, they will make the witness talk and talk and talk and talk like Michael Cohen collapsed in the witness chair. They talk and talk and then they will catch you. And when they have caught you with 
that lie, they will prove everything you said was a set of lies. They will finish you off on that. Okay? So, the devil is a counterfeiter. He knows scripture very well. He knows the laws by which God has established his creation. In Proverbs 23 and verse 7. Let me see in KJV. KJV, I know how it will say. 23, 7. Yeah. As he thinks in his heart. So you see. As he thinks in his heart. So you see. Okay. I told you. Faith is from the heart. Love is from the heart. Loyalty is from the heart. These are all from the heart. Okay. Like, who is this friend who sticks forever? It's a friend who does not accept everything the other person does, but still says, but I'm loyal to you. I will tell you you are wrong, but I will never backbite against you. I will not stab you from back. I am loyal to you. So loyalty is from the heart. It's not from the head. Because if you go by the head, oh, I can't be loyal to this person. But I will loyal to you. But what my mind says is contrary to yours, I will tell you this is wrong. But my loyalty is there. Love is from the heart. Faith is from the heart. If a man believes in his heart, right, believes in his heart. So the devil knows if he can get us to believe anything, other than what God's word says, what God has said, he can get us to choose death and destruction. Like I said, that's what he wants. He wants us to choose death and destruction. Okay, Curses instead of a blessing. Because God has ordained how it works. Romans 10, 8 to 10. It's very clear. This is, this is every time this is how it works. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay. So in verse 10, he inverts the order. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is the beginning of a new life, born again life. And this is continuously the same pattern to grow in this life. Every time you need to believe what God says. Believe what God says. And say what God says. That is what Habakkuk is actually saying. He says, this is what I see, but this is what I believe. This is what I say, but this is what I believe because what I see is contrary to what God has said and I will go with God. I will go with God. I will not go with what I see. I don't go with what people are saying. I will go with what God has said. Okay, and that's what the Bible is talking about. So if you come to Matthew chapter 4, and uh, we know the temptation of Jesus Christ, the spirit verse 4, when Jesus is driven into the wilderness, this is how the tempted verse 3, will. the devil will come, the tempter. You will see verse 3. We'll have three and four. Now, when the tempter came to him, who is that? The devil. What is he trying to do? Tempt him. How is he going to tempt him? By lies. He's trying to deceive him. Okay? He said, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. And he answered and said, okay? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The first, first temptation is this. If you are the son of God. He doesn't even answer that. 
we will try to answer that yeah you remember the day i got saved and remember when i got he doesn't even answer that see these questions of your paternity should not be answered should not be answered don't give him a room but then you will start but i didn't see your birth certificate what if it is forged you know who knows about the story about your mother all these things will bring in no because in our literature class our profs used to say motherhood is a certainty fatherhood is only an assumption that is why in the bible the virginity of the woman was absolutely certain had to be why because paternity is a question because the next child would be a king so betsheba's child has to die because there will be a question about royalty whose child is it uriah's or david's so child has to die god in his goodness is allowing that to happen because there would be a question when david is gone there is a fight going on between the child who hasn't died and the other sons and there will be one click that comes apart and says who knows it may be not be david's seed it will be uriah's seed and uriah says the gitite he cannot rule over us it will bring a confusion and so god in his goodness allow things to happen so the tempter comes and asks a question if you are the son of god don't answer that don't answer that who are you to question who is my father by your very question i understand you are not my father because there are only two fathers you have answered the question because if you were not sure you would have asked the question the other way if you are my son that's not how you made the question you said if you are the son of god i know i am the son of god i know i am a child of god okay and then the lies this what is to to deviate from what god has said do you really believe that god has said this is goes boom to the book of deuteronomy and says it is written it is written the question is what does faith say faith's question is always what did god say okay so it is not that matters what you believe it does matter what you believe and how does faith come faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of god and faith is a matter of heart first and foremost it's a matter of heart because god said it okay it is not a matter of mind first and foremost it is not a matter of mind it's a matter of heart by because it is not just connected with what was said that is a matter of mind the first thing is who said it god said it god said it because if it's a matter of mind god said it socrates said it aristotle said it plato said it and they all sound so good but that's not the problem god said it and he's the final arbiter there's only one god he said it so it's not a matter of mind so there may be fantastic ideas but the problem is the person who said it god said it so it's a matter of heart god said it so the deception is it doesn't matter what you believe but the bible says no above all above all take the shield of faith and how does faith originate it originates in the heart you heard the word of god you believed in your heart Okay, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. Where does it go? It goes into your heart. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, because the devil knows all this. Devil knows scripture very well. The devil knows it is impossible to please God without faith. Okay, devil knows. 
he knows hebrews 11:6 he yes he can quote the entire bible in any language you want he can he knows a double minded man receives nothing from god so all he has to make you is doubt the word of god that's enough he said you won't receive anything from god because you doubted god you doubted him you doubted his word that is what the reason why god is testing our faith so you don't have to doubt him you can prove me faith works you can prove my word it works okay this is the sixth deception of the devil come to 617 efficient 617 take the helmet of salvation what is the deception the deception is it doesn't matter what you think it doesn't matter what you think but the helmet covers the head and your thoughts are in your mind the devil will say it doesn't matter what you think as long as you believe which is true as long as you believe that you are saved you actually believe you will go to heaven but the way you think will decide your life here and your rewards there the devil deceives you it doesn't matter what you think okay because our thoughts will is how we produce our imaginations we imagine okay we think we imagine and it produces corresponding actions everything genesis 11 and verse 6 the principle this is the principle the lord said the people are one whole humanity on earth they are one they all have one language this is what they begin to do now nothing that they propose okay maybe we will say if i'm right you will use the term they imagine to do okay okay is that okay maybe okay yeah maybe and okay which they have imagined yeah it's there it's there okay nothing they have imagined to do for which they have imagined to do because that's how it works you think about the humanity that's what ai is going to do now when it comes to ai it's one thought all the machines will think alike okay we are talking about the image that will be speak look at the 5d image that is projected in the street in china it is scary it is huge thing through which the hands and the head come out you will see this image we are coming to 5d we don't know what the 6d and 7d and all is going to be like okay you know what god is talking about a truth what is he saying they are one they have one language they are all doing the same thing and they are all imagining the same thing and they will succeed in this and i will have to destroy them not that they will overrule god or anything he said i will have to destroy them because the root of it is all evil so the bible is telling the devil comes and deceives and says it doesn't matter what you think okay does not matter what you think and god says it does matter what you think it does matter what you think the question is the question this questions we need to ask if you are sad you need to ask the question why are you sad because you cannot sad cannot be sad unless you have thought something okay is it true or not okay if you are happy you need to ask the question why are you happy is it true or not okay 
ഹാവിറ്റി I know greater is he that is in me. I know that okay we are few in number, but I also know what the Bible says about that one can put a thousand, two can put 10,000. His numbers don't matter. In numbers, right? You take the whole population of the world and you put it into 8 billion and you work out your maths and see how many believers do you need to fight 7 billion. If you go proportionally according to God's math, 1,000, 2,000, how does it go? Then what is 3? I don't know ask pastor vijay he will work it out for you if one is 1000 two is 10000 god is you don't even have to go there is if two of you agree on anything on earth it shall be done in heaven because if you agree to my word to my will to my purpose and to my timing i come into the middle of it it is done it is done this is how we handle situations otherwise our minds will go wonky and we will start sinking will start sinking because this is the deception of the devil what does he tell you it doesn't matter what you believe it doesn't matter what you think god says it does matter what you think put on the helmet of salvation that salvation then you come to verse 17 and 18 efficient 6 take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always so where is the sword of the spirit where is it it's in your mouth how did jesus destroy the antichrist and everything through the word that comes from his mouth just with the word so the devil deceives us by saying it doesn't matter what you say did you see that it doesn't matter what you believe It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you say. He says, take up the sword of the spirit. When you say, let it be in accordance to my word. Let it be according to my word. Even if you pray, let it be according to my word. Because it is supplication in the spirit. The spirit has to sanction it, what you are saying. Okay. But this is what the devil says. If you come to Mark 11 and verse 23. Eleven, verse twenty-three. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed and be cast into the sea," and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says, okay, there are a lot of people who believe right, they think right, but they never say. 
And every day, every day my day begins like that. The calls that come in through the evening. I said, I know you. I know you. I know my sheep. I said, you're a good kid. You're a good kid. The problem is you don't say it. You, When you open your mouth, you only speak what the devil tells you. You never speak what God tells you. Either he tells you or tells about you. You never say that. You're always talking what the devil tells you. And that's why you open these doors and you're depressed, you're discouraged, you're suicidal. I said, where are these things coming from? What are you saying? Do you believe this? Yes, Pastor, I believe. Do you know this? Yes. Do you know this scripture? Yes. But what are you saying? What are you saying? Okay. So the devil will deceive us that it does not matter what we say. And God says, it does matter. That's why the Bible will say when we stand before God yesterday also you heard, right? We will give an account for our works and account for every word we have spoken carelessly. And let me clarify it in the terms of how God will judge his children, okay? So when we are judged, our words will be all there. Every word we have spoken unless it has been repented under the blood, it's all there. But we are not going to be condemned for it. We will only get negative marks for it. You'll say, Lord, why did I lose it? He said, because you said it. Because the judgment is a replay of our life. And we are talking to our father. And our father, you know, remember, we'll remember everything. You remember in 2020, I was so down. He said, because this is what you said. This is what you said. This is what you said. Oh, that is why I lost. He said, yes, didn't I tell you? Life and death is in the mouth of the tongue. Didn't I tell you? In Psalm 141 and verse 3, if I'm right, Psalm 141, verse 3. 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk and all. But he says you need to be very careful. That you can, Jesus talked so much. But he never spoke outside the word of God. Everything he spoke was according to the word of God. Yes, if you have that kind of control, talk as much as you want. John says things which he said, books couldn't contain it. So it's not, God is not speaking. Because he knows our nature and how the deception of the enemy, he says, talk in a multitude of words, there will be sin. Okay? Okay? The perfect man is a man who has got control over what he says. This is what he's talking about. Okay? So, if you look at First Peter chapter 2, 22 and 23, this is about Jesus. What is that? Who committed? No sin. No sin. Nor was? Did you see that? He did not sin in action. He never sinned with his words. You know why? Because he was never deceived. If you are not deceived, deceit cannot be in your mouth. He was never deceived because what is the enemy's weapon, only weapon, it is deception. He never believed anything what the devil said. Therefore, when he spoke, he only spoke what his father said. So there was no deceit found in his mouth. And second, when he was reviled, he did not kept his mouth shut. You didn't speak. When somebody reviles you, don't speak. When he suffered, he did not. That is what we do. We want vengeance. Oh, let me see what I can do to you. I will take you to the police thana. I will teach you. I have. The, I know one cop over there. I will give him 20,000 rupees and say, beat the heck out of him. <laughs> what all people do? But Jesus said all the power in the world. He didn't threaten. He was truth. He could justify himself. 
When Pilate, the Roman governor, asked what is truth, he said, everybody who is on the side of truth hears, listens to me. You are not on that side, so I am not going to speak to you. He could open his mouth and speak. He didn't speak. Even on the cross when the thieves were reviling him, he didn't revile. When the Pharisees were reviling from the ground, he didn't revile them back. When he was suffered, he did not threaten. But he also did something. He left it to his father. Left it to his father. You need to realize this is all talking about words. This entire thing is talking about words. It does matter what you say. It does. Because God has set a law. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Okay. This is, this is what I always tell people. Okay. It matters what you believe. Absolutely. It matters what you think. Absolutely. But ultimately it matters what you say. Because even if you think wrong and believe wrong, as long as you keep your mouth shut, the devil doesn't have power. He's not God. He can read your heart. He's not God. He can read your mind. For him to understand, you have to speak. And once you speak wrong, he's got power. Keep your mouth shut. That's what the Bible says. Even a fool will be considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. You know, there are some some of our children in our church. Okay, now you, I haven't done an IQ test or anything. But some of them I always considered he's very mature or she's very mature because they don't speak. Because if you haven't spoken, you cannot judge somebody. Judge somebody unless by their actions. Okay, so some people you will always consider they're very quiet, they're very measured, they're always observing, and you'll think this man is a very wise man. But the reason is because they have now opened their mouth. Their mouth. Okay, so God is putting principles over there how the enemy works, how the enemy works, and how God works. He says, Your words matter, your words matter. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. So here comes the division. Both groups heard. Only one group did. So it does matter what you do. The devil will say, it does not matter what you believe. The devil will say, it does not matter what you think. The devil will say, it does not matter what you say. The devil will say, it does not matter what you do. God says, it does matter what you do because when the storm comes, some people are standing. Some people have fallen. The only difference between the two is one did, the other believed, the other heard, the other spoke, but he didn't do. He didn't do. He didn't do. So it does matter what you do. What does the devil say? It does not matter. Okay, so I tell simple, okay, Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Saturday evening, you believed about church, you thought about church, you spoke about going to church, but you didn't come to church. 
you overslept you were late but everything was right saturday if you had watched this person he believed there is a church he believed there is going to be worship he believed he thought all right he confessed to his friends also but on sunday morning he was not there in english we say there is a there is i don't know exactly forgot there is a slip between the cup and the lip there is always a slip that is the action part so it does believe does believe what what you do that is what james will say in james 2:20 faith without works is dead faith without works is dead how does faith originate in the heart you believe right you think right you speak right but ultimately it is completed that foolish man don't you know faith without works is dead Okay, Meaning, he believed right, he thought right, he spoke right, he's still a foolish man because he did not do it. He didn't do it. Yeah. A foolish man. If you come to James chapter 5, verse 13 and 18. 13 and 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Action is demanded. Let him pray. Are you suffering? Yes. Did you pray? Is anyone cheerful? Yes. Did you sing psalms? No, I sang Hindi songs. I'm not talking about movie songs. <laughs> Did you sing psalms? <laughs> okay. Okay. Did you, uh, 13 and 14. No, yeah, for, not 18, 13 and 14. Did you sing? Did you sing? If anyone among you sick, let him call. Did you call? And when they call, let them, let, did they pray? Over him. Did they anoint him with oil? Yeah, different stages. Okay, first you pray. They prayed. It didn't work. Then they went and they prayed. It didn't work. Then they anointed with oil. It didn't work. And then they asked if there is anything, please confess. Okay, and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. So there are different levels to healing. The question is, did you do any of these things? Did you do any of these things? So, in everything, if you look, there are actions demanded. So, the Bible says you have to be careful. Don't believe. Don't believe that what you do doesn't matter. It does matter. Okay, it does matter. So, the thing is this: if the Satan cannot deceive me and you, he cannot defeat you and me. And the guard against deception is what did God say? What did God say? Do you believe it? Do you meditate on it? Do you speak it? Do you do it? You know, one simple verse for the entire book of Joshua and the conquest of the promised land is based on one verse. Joshua chapter 1, 8. Meditate upon my word day and night. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Be careful to do it. And it may prosper us wherever you go. And nobody can stop you. Seven nations are there, don't worry about them. You just do what I tell you to do. First, believe what I am telling. Meditate upon day and night. Okay, be very careful. What I am telling you, believe what I am telling you. Because first he tells him a lot of things, believe what I am telling you. Then meditate upon my word day and night. Be careful when you speak, you speak according to the word of God. Be careful to do it. And he says, Nobody will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. So as simple as that. Okay? So devil is not our problem. 
Double is not our problem. This may be the highest of qualities, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Double is not our problem. The numbers that are on his side is also not our problem. The problem is, do you believe? What do you believe? In every context, every war, every battle, what comes is, what do you believe? What do you believe? How is Israel, it's a tiny little nation, able to survive there in the Middle East, surrounded by a host of enemies because they believe their God is God and the land has been given to them. But does the uh, does the Palestinians have that promise? No, they don't have that promise. They have claiming other things, land documents and these documents and all, but they don't have the document. They're standing on it and you will see, 75 years, nobody has been able to defeat them. If you look by numbers and you look at everything, they should be defeated. Even in the six-day war, when they were caught by surprise on the under festival, after that they finished the enemy off. They defeated everybody. The reason is because they have an everlasting covenant. So we also need to realize, we also entered through the blood of Jesus Christ into an everlasting covenant. They have been promised, Israel has been promised only victory over physical enemies. We have not been promised. We have been promised victory over every spiritual enemy. Because why are our, why are they and us different? Because they are trying to possess the land. We are trying to possess souls. So that by defeating the powers of darkness, we become ambassadors of reconciliation by reconciling the Gentiles and the Jews and the Muslims all to God. That is what we are fighting for. That's the difference. And therefore God says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. This is how the enemy works. This is how the enemy works. The question is, we were doing the studying the book of Revelation, right? Why did we reach here? Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have no need of nothing, and do not know you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. This is a church that is totally deceived. Absolutely deceived. They have no clue what they are in God's sight. The truth. Absolutely deceived. Why are they absolutely deceived? Verse 20. Now I are they deceived? 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, the question is, where is the word of God? It's outside. The word is outside. They cannot hear this voice because faith comes from hearing. They are not hearing what the Spirit is saying. The word is out, the Spirit is out. And therefore they are totally deceived. That is why we look to deception today. The reason is in the last days a church will arise which will be absolutely deceived. Absolutely deceived. And God says, be careful. To that church also he is knocking and said, come. Let the word in. Let my spirit in. We will come and fellowship with him. And then if you overcome as I overcame, you can reign with me. That is his goodness and his kindness. So we need to realize where can deception take us? It can take us to the point that we are absolutely deceived. No clue at all. What we are in the eyes of God, in the eyes of truth. Eyes of God in the eyes of truth. Because Christ is judging them. And he says, this is who you are. Absolutely deceived. So this morning when we pray, we will not fear the enemy. We will not fear the enemy. Yet, we will not be complacent. Okay? We should not have Dutch courage either. Our boldness is from Ephesians 6.10. 
That is how before you deal with the enemy, the Bible is very clear. Stand in the might and the power of my brother. Be strong in the Lord. The one way we can be strong in the Lord is by believing what he has said about us and what he has said about the devil. What has he said? And in the power of his might. Don't stand in your power. Stand in the power of his might. The power of the Holy Spirit. And we face these battles. We are not afraid. Okay, we are not afraid. Because there is nothing the devil can do. Literally. Because even death is victory. There's nothing. He's a defanged snake. There's nothing literally he can do. That's why we have to look at in the eternity, you know. When death has been swallowed in victory. So that was his final weapon was he could cause us to believe in a lie and cause us to, to bring us to death. But even death has been changed into victory for those who believe. So he has nothing he can do. He can use people to terrorize and all for this thing, but those things don't mean anything to the believers. That's why all these records are there in the Bible of Paul and Silas and Jesus and Peter and all that these things are written. These things shouldn't bother you. Because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. What can separate us from the love of God? So let's have Peter and we shall fight the good fight of faith.
Matthew 24, 3, when his disciples came to him and asked, What are the signs of your coming and the end of this age? His first response was, Be careful that you are not deceived. And what Christ was trying to tell or is telling is in the last days. The demonic will be at the highest, therefore deception at the highest. And we look this morning from God's word how to guard our hearts, our minds, our lips and our feet, our hands from deception. Then the enemy cannot do anything. He has no power over us. This morning, Father, even as we stand here today, we stand in faith in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. We stand in the righteousness of God and not in our own works or righteousness. We stand and we come to you through the blood of Jesus. And we confess, we believe Jesus has disarmed all the powers and the rulers in the heavenly places. And he has made them a public spectacle. We declare the defeat of the devil and the victory of Christ. We proclaim the victory of Christ that is of a portion. Even in occult days, it means nothing to your children. We stand on your word, which is the truth. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Or all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. And they shall by no means harm you. We believe. Yes, there were snakes outside yesterday. 
dropped it. But we believe we shall handle snakes. We shall trample upon them. They shall do us no harm. Even if we drink poison, it will do us no harm. We cast out demons. And every communication system is shut down or hacked. We speak in other tongues which even the devil cannot interpret. We know whose we are. We know what he has given to us. And above all, as your word says, above all, against the fiery darts of the devil aimed at your children to create confusion, to create depression, discouragement, we hold up the shield of faith. And we speak, what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing. No famine, no sword, no nakedness, no peril, no war, no pestilence, nothing. Before we stand here in your presence, we are more than two. When we come in unity, agreeing on the word of God, we may disagree on so many other things, but we agree on God's word. And you said, Lord, if we bind anything on earth, it shall be bound in heaven. Everywhere occult and witchcraft and sorcery are taking place. We see people who are deceived just dying in their bathtubs. But we bind the powers of darkness in the name of Jesus. Sent against your children, our children. <clears throat> no sorcery will prevail. Over your church. And all those who are joined together with us. Even now online. We stand on your promise. You spoke for us through prophet Isaiah. It was the spirit of Christ who spoke through him. And therefore we proclaim. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against us in judgment. In curses. In sorcery. In witchcraft. In spells. And rituals, whatever words that I've spoken. Demons are invoked. Ancient deities are invoked. We condemn it in the name of Jesus. We exercise the authority given to us by Jesus. We command every demon released against your people to go right back from where you came. We will stand and see the deliverance of the Lord. You may come against us in one direction. But you will flee in seven directions. And when you flee, you will stumble and fall. Every plan that you made for us. The gallows you raised for us. You will hang by it. The pit you dug for us. You will fall into it. We will stand and see the deliverance of the Lord. Even though evil join hand with evil. It will not prevail against us. Because our strength is not in numbers. Our strength and our might is from God. And if God is for us, what and who then can be against us? We stand by faith, not by our works. We stand by faith with God. We stand by faith with the purposes of God. We stand by faith and proclaim that thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is heaven.
and who can be against us. Touch, Lord, touch. We plead the blood. No harm will come near us. We will stand and see the deliverance of the Lord. Lord. And the spirit of wisdom, revelation, discernment rest upon your servants, O Lord, that they will hear your voice behind their ears, directing their steps during these dark times. No one will slip. No one will stumble because you will guide them with your eye, O Father. We believe everything you have said that you you will do. We believe, Lord. We will not shorten your arm by our unbelief. Stretch forth your hand, O Lord, like the church in Jerusalem cried out. Stretch forth your hand, O Lord, with wonder and power and signs and miracles, O Lord. Even during these difficult days, stretch forth your hand, O Lord. We release the hand of God over our lives of our people, your people, our lives, O Lord. Release, stretch forth. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship worship you, Lord. Now, believing what we have prayed and asked, we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. 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 And we declare, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.